Are you tired of advertisements? You can listen to this episode and more ad-free for only $1 a month by supporting the show on Patreon. Visit MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and hit the Patreon tab for more details. so much for circling back to yet another episode. I have a collection of strange, unusual, and downright terrifying tales to share with you this evening. And unlike most podcasts, I don't waste time getting to the meat and potatoes of each episode. And tonight is no different. So joining me, from the state of Texas. Please welcome Jonathan to the show. Hey, Derek, Jonathan from Texas. So a little background to how the story was brought up. This is actually a secondhand story. It came from three of my family members who who all witnessed it together. It was actually at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, I had, had mentioned your podcast to them and we're all from East Texas. So I had mentioned, uh, I think it was, I can't remember what season it was, but there was a uh, albino mountain lion sighting in East Texas, actually a couple hours north from, from where I'm from. But there was a video of it, obviously, and I showed it to them and they thought it was really interesting. So I had mentioned the fact that uh, one of the things that, that you like to highlight on your show was black cat sightings. And they all said to me, like, oh, yeah, do you remember when we saw that one down at the ranch in South Texas? And I said, uh, no, I don't recall that. <laughs> and this this had to have been when I was maybe 13, 14 years old. So this was at least 15 years ago. But uh, a family member of mine had a ranch down in South Texas near the town of Raymondville. So kind of out in the middle of nowhere, this ranch was. 500 acres, they had some exotic game on the ranch, saw a lot of pigs all the time, deer, nil guy, and I guess one night, people were all out on uh, the safari jeep, and there was maybe eight to ten people that, that could fit on this jeep, you know, it had, had two decks to it, so there was kind of a, a viewing station on top, and my, my mother, my aunt, my cousin, my uncle, at least four or five of, of my close family members were on that Jeep along with other people who witnessed this black cat as they were driving down this dirt road in the middle of this 500 acre ranch. This massive black cat just strolled across the road in front of them. And needless to say, they were all pretty shocked. And they, you know, they, I think maybe it was just a handful of seconds that they actually saw it can't remember if it saw them or, or did anything out of the ordinary but they all looked at each other after and, and were questioning what they just saw and I asked them when they were relaying the story to me the other day that you know there's a a wild cat in, in South Texas native to South Texas called the Jaguar Undy which is a little smaller than what a black panther might be but a little bigger than a house cat and I said, was that it? And they said, absolutely not. This was a massive cat, massive tail. They, they definitely mentioned the tail and, and how big of a feature that was of the cat. My mom jumped out of the Jeep after they'd saw the cat and, and went down and took pictures of its, of its paw prints. 
I, I unfortunately don't know that I have access to those anymore because that was again oh, like at least 15 years ago. But I know how much you like the Black Cat stories. I wish that I was on that Jeep with him at the time to see that. Although I don't know that at that age I would have appreciated it as much as my, my adult family members did. Certainly would appreciate it now. But thought that was a cool story. Wanted to relay that to you. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I don't know. I saw one of these when I was a kid. And I sure did appreciate it. If I'm honest, it's probably the event that sparked my interest. That eventually led to the creation of this program. So there is that. Well, I actually picked this call out because so many of you have been sending me this uh, big cat clip out of the state of Arizona. This clip from KPNX, NBC News 12, out of Phoenix. Admittedly, the video is not that great. You're looking at that little black spot in the middle. Wait for it to move. It slinks over some rocks. The original poster said this was in Phoenix Mountain Preserve near Cave Creek Road in Peoria. They had one question. What is this thing? Comments on Reddit went from house cat to jaguar to chupacabra to, well, of course, it went to aliens eventually. We showed the video to a team from Arizona Game and Fish and Southwest Wildlife Conservation Center. That's pretty far. It looks pretty far away. I don't think it's a domestic cat. But I you don't think it's a cat? Not a domestic cat. They were just as baffled as everyone else. In the end, it was easier to figure out what this thing is not. Now I realize it's a video, and this is an audio podcast, but... Essentially, we're looking at some sort of large, black feline uh, ambling up and down this rocky hillside. And again, I played this call because, well, it's discussing Southern ABCs, alien big cats. And I also played it because Jonathan mentioned something I think might be right on the nose. A little creature called the Jaguarundi. It's a small wild cat dark in color with a house cat-like face but lower profiled ears. Now this animal is not supposed to live in Arizona but it does live just south into parts of Mexico. So is it possible one of these things migrated north during all this crazy weather we've had over the past decade or so? And is it possible that people are seeing this creature for the first time and are unable to identify it? Whatever the creature is, I highly suggest you go over to the show notes and have a look at the video. Maybe you're in a rare position to identify it yourself. Thank you again, Jonathan, for sharing that entry and giving me the opportunity to talk about this story that so many people had mailed in. And a big thanks to those folks as well. Now, if you have a story you'd like to share here on the show, Give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-NIGHT. Or record your story on your phone and shoot the file over to monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now this next entry takes us to the state of Oklahoma, where Brandon is waiting with a ghostly tale. Well, hey, Derek, this is Brandon Williams from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. This is about my three-year-old son, Brandon Jr., and his imaginary friend. So one day I walk into his room, and I think it was on a Tuesday. I can't remember the date. And he's in there talking to himself and laughing and playing. And I'm like, Junior, who are you talking to? And he's like, this is my imaginary friend. He didn't say imaginary friend per se, but I just took it like that. This is my friend. Her name is Becky, I think. That's what he said. So he's in his room playing, and I'm like, oh, Junior, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? This is my friend, Becky, and we play every day. So I just, like, didn't pay attention to it nonchalant. It's just a three-year-old playing with his friend. Of course, I have experienced paranormal activity in my childhood. So I just chalk it up to he's just playing imagination, you know, so um, it starts getting serious. He's in his room every day playing with his friend, laughing and joking. So one day I was like, Junior, Junior, come here. Time to eat. 
and I go to his room and I see a kid in the corner playing with toys. I'm like, Junior, you didn't hear daddy calling you. It's time to go eat. Junior, Junior, and he's ignoring me. This is nothing new. He does it all the time. So I didn't think anything of it. So about a couple of name calls later, I'm like, Junior, it's time to eat. You didn't hear daddy talking to you. Doesn't turn around, doesn't acknowledge me in any way, shape, or form. And then I heard daddy coming from the kitchen. The kitchen is about three doors down from his bedroom. So I look and he's running to me, daddy, 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 I won't eat, eat. I'm like, okay, if you're here, then what is this face, person, face, person I'm looking at? I turn around and the image instantly turns from me looking at my son with short hair and well, my wife puts his hair in pigtails. I don't know if anybody's familiar with pigtails. So I look around and the hair instantly turns long, like long hair to the shoulder. And it's a little girl. And at this moment, I'm freaking the hell out. Pardon my language. I look at my son and then I look back at the image and the image turns around. It's a little girl. And my son's like, oh, I see you met Becky. I think that's the name he used. I can't remember. That's Becky. That's my friend. We play all the time. She is really nice to me. And as soon as I see my son and I turn back around, the image is gone. There's no one sitting in the corner. There's no one playing with toys. The toys are laying on the ground where the ghostly image was sitting playing with the toys. Oh, yeah, we play all the time, Daddy. She's really nice. I love her. And I think it's about time for us to move out this house. I love the podcast. I listen to it every day. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, I sure don't blame you for wanting to leave. Thank you, Brandon. Well, there's certainly something terrifying about the concept of an imaginary friend. Especially when it's not yours. Something that other people can see that you can't. It's obviously unsettling. And I suppose I have a little suggestion for parents with children that have these invisible confidants. Ask them to draw them. Ask them at different times to draw them. See if that image changes in any way. If you get something creepy, send it our way. Thank you again, Brandon, for ringing in. Now I'm going to slip one more call in before we hit the first scheduled break. And this one comes to us from Parts Unknown. Alyssa, welcome to the program. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I'm originally from Greenbelt. It's in Maryland. This is actually where this took place. It happened around 2012. At the end of the springtime, my mom had a convertible at the time, and we were driving back home from the train station with the top down, and there's a little bit of a incline, like a small hill, and we see this really large, low-flying gray aircraft as we're like approaching the bottom of the hill, and it was just hovering there. It basically camouflaged with the sky, and then as we came under the aircraft in the convertible, we noticed that it was shaped kind of like a crescent almost. It had a circular, free-floating center, and then the wings were kind of shaped, you know, like a crescent around it with a point. It didn't look like the center object was connected to anything, just kind of literally seemed like it was maybe like magnets or something, um, just holding that middle piece in the center. And all of a sudden, as we're pulling up underneath it, we can see the stars above it. You know, maybe I would say it's probably 30 feet above our car. Um, It folded up the wings. So basically it almost kind of looked like if you imagine what an onion looks like. And at the blink of an eye, it shot away. There was no sonic boom. There was no wind. Uh, It just literally shot off. And 
Honestly, to this day, my mom is really scared to talk about it, but I brought it up to her when my now wife was, we were all talking about, um, you know, alien encounters and weird things that had happened to us. And it was the first time since it happened that she actually acknowledged that she was there. She remembered it because right after it happened, she was so scared. She didn't want to talk about it. We got home. I tried to tell my dad about it originally. And she was like, I don't want to talk about it. She just shut it down. And I heard a similar story where someone thought they saw a star and then it shot off um, in the morning sky. So um, that reminded me of my story. And I just thought I should share it. I love the podcast. I love everyone's spooky encounters. And um, everyone just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, Alyssa. Well, this is a call that sort of hits home for me. Back in October of 2021, I want to say, Sarah and I were headed back down the 395 here in California from a camping trip when I looked off the side of the highway and saw a strange object hovering in the distance maybe 20, 30 feet off the ground. I don't recall the exact dimensions or shape of this object. It was really indistinguishable. But I do remember it was hovering. And I believe it was gray in color. Now it was too far out of range for my dash cam to pick up. And Sarah didn't seem all that interested. But two people were pulled over to the side of the road, looking at it with binoculars. And if I wasn't towing a trailer at the time, I probably would have slammed on the brakes and stopped myself. So anyway, Alyssa, I have no idea what you saw, but I do know you're not alone. Thanks again for calling in. Now folks, next up, we venture to the land of Lincoln, where Elvira as a story locked and loaded. Hey, Derek. It is Elvira calling again. I have a friend who went to this art show or, you know, art store studio, and it actually ended up being not that far from my house. However, I didn't know the artist, so um, when she was there, she ended up Snapchatting, you know, her visit, and in the story of her Snapchat, you know, came out some of the artwork in the background and I was watching her snapchat story and I noticed a picture that was there my heart sank immediately when I saw it because I was looking at myself essentially it was someone who looked exactly like me I mean I even had to do a double take because I was like this is someone that looks exactly like me and it was such a crazy coincidence because you know it's someone that I knew and they just happened to take a video of it so you know I looked I looked up the art shop and it was actually really close to me. I live in Illinois, but the art shop was out not that far from me. So, you know, I looked online and I found it and sure enough, the picture was there and I took a screenshot of the picture. I showed my friends and family and even they were like, oh, that's you. And I'm like, but that's the thing. It's not me. And they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, this is someone that just happens to look at me. Everyone was like, are you serious? They're like, that's you. And I'm like, it's not me. I'm like, unless someone took a picture, I'm like, it's not me. So I was a little shocked, but my boyfriend and I went to the shop to see it in person because even he was like mesmerized. He was like, how could this be? This person looks exactly like you. And we've never met the artist who owns the shop. The artist who owns the shop, ironically, he actually had the same name as my boyfriend. Well, now husband, but... You know, I thought that was a little strange and kind of a coincidence. But anyway, when we went there, we saw the picture and I mean, it was selling for like over a thousand dollars. So we weren't able to buy it, but we ended up talking to the artist and even he was like, yeah, you resemble the model a lot. He's like, she has a lot of the same features you do. She's like, she looks very much like you. And, you know, he told me the name of this model. The funny thing is, and this is kind of a sidetrack, but the funny thing is that the name of the model it's actually the name that I use as my like alter ego, aka when I want to give out a fake name, things like that. For example, I always say that I have, you know, too much personality for one person. So my name is Elvira and, you know, sometimes I think what Elvira would do, Veronica wouldn't do. And what Veronica would do, Elvira wouldn't do. So it's like I have so much going on, like one tugs this way, one does, you know, tugs the other. 
And so I kind of gave the other personality a name because I felt like it was just two different types of people in one person. So, you know, the one that kind of takes charge and it's a little more loud and, you know, you know, a little crazier would be Veronica. And so that's what I called her, my, you know, my alter ego per se. So that ended up being the name of the model. And I was like, that's even stranger. I'm like, because that's the name that I use. You know, and I didn't tell him that, but I was just, I left the shop and I was like kind of shocked that not only does this model look pretty much exactly like me, if not exactly like me, but her name is actually the one that I use. So I wonder if there's any type of connection there because maybe I subconsciously knew or something or who knows, maybe doppelgangers share some type of a connection they don't even know. But, you know, he told me where she was from and what she did. And the city where she's from is actually not that far from me either. So I remember one time, I'm only guessing that this had something to do with it only because it was in the same city where she's from. I had one of my friends ask me what I was doing out that way. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't left my house today at all. I'm like, what do you mean? I, have, I, I, I wasn't in that city at all. And she's like, oh, I saw you today. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I wasn't there. I'm like, you must have seen someone that looked a lot like me. Well, I never really asked any more information on that because I just thought it was strange or a coincidence. So, you know, I didn't think anything of it, but I was like, you know, when I thought about it after the fact, I was like, you know, she saw someone that she thought was me. And that city is where that girl that looks like me is from. So who's to say she didn't see her, you know? You know, I've never seen anyone in that city. Uh, curiosity got the best of me. I even Googled, like, you know, Facebooked her to see if she would come up. I knew she was a hairdresser, so I'm like, oh, maybe it'll come up, you know. I don't know her last name, so I couldn't really quite look, and I didn't want to be a complete stalker. But at the same time, I was really curious because I've never seen anyone that really resembled me that much to the point, you know, where I'd see them in a painting. But, you know, I just thought it was a little strange and, you know, kind of crazy how even though we've never seen each other, She's out there and somehow I came across her through a painting, you know, and out of all other things, her name is something that I've actually used as an alter ego name, which is even crazier to me. So I wonder, you know, share my experience to see if maybe anyone else has had a similar type of experience. I know people have seen or been seen places where they haven't been. And I know that happened to me that once. But, you know, I do wonder if perhaps we share some type of similarities with our doppelgangers besides just our looks. But, you know, I I did want to share the story to see if maybe you could come across what it could have possibly been. It's not just exactly someone that looks like me and it's just a mere coincidence that the name is some, you know, some name that's familiar to me. But, you know, I, I will admit I'm still a little curious. I would kind of like to see this person, maybe not in person because that might freak me out a little. But, you know, it's just it's just curiosity. I know they say that we have, you know, like seven people out there that look exactly like us. And it's just kind of random to think that someone's out there, you know, not even 30 minutes away from me that could possibly be a very, very close resemblance of me. Um, I do have a picture, actually. Uh, my, my, my husband actually ended up buying the picture on a t-shirt and putting it on there. So he gave me a shirt that has this girl's picture on it. So I know people are probably like, why does she have herself on her shirt? But it's not technically me. So not super conceited, but I thought it was a little funny. But yeah, I just wanted to share the story, and hopefully if I have any other stories, I will share them. Keep up the amazing work. I really love this podcast. I love the community on Facebook. Um, Eddie is super fun. She's always posting stuff, keeping us updated, and everyone on there is super nice. And just stay creepy. Thanks. Bye. We miss Yaddy, but she's not completely gone. She's still over there in the Facebook lands. She pokes in from time to time. Thank you, Elvira. Or, should I say Victoria? Thanks to the both of you. And I get what you're saying. Because I too have a bit of an alter ego. They call him Clive. And people seem to like him a whole lot more than they like me but I think I'm okay with that. Well, you bring up some interesting questions there, Elvira. What connections do these doppelgangers share? 
and does it expand beyond simple appearance? We'll be sure to keep an eye on those small details the next time we process one of these entries. Until then, however, big thanks for sharing the entry. Now, folks, before I push play on this next entry, don't forget you can do your holiday shopping at the Monsters Among Us shop. Get that MAU lover in your life a t-shirt, a hat, we have brand new beanies coming out, posters, patches, bins, bags, koozies, you name it. We have all sorts of stuff. Just visit our website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click the shop tab. But hurry so you get your items before the holidays. And speaking of which, the hoodies are here. And Sarah is literally packing them in the next room as I speak. So those should be sent out today. With a little luck be in your arms by next week. Now when one mentions a ghost, there's a few images that come to mind. A chain-rattling ghoul semi-transparent, covered in dust. A sheet with a couple of holes poked in the eyes. But many picture some sort of old-timey dress. Victorian clothing, typically. Well, that's exactly what this next caller claimed to have seen. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi, my name's Andrew. This story takes place in uh, Vermont. I went to college up there, and it was pretty rural environment, so I'm just going to run through some of the crazy stuff that happened. First was me and my friends were driving on this dirt road late at night. I'm in the back seat, and we're driving up to these two people walking down the road. One's male, one's female. The male is on the left side of them. He is probably like seven feet tall, huge guy, very big, very wide shoulders. And the lady is smaller, probably only like five, five. They're both wearing Victorian clothing. The lady is dressed in a full on Victorian outfit with the, the big butt and all it looked like it was purple and the guy was in like this 18th century kind of like farmers overalls kind of outfit this was late at night in a very rural area so i don't know why people would be walking around at night like this and as we're driving by i'm trying to look at them and you know just can't really make out their faces or anything but yeah i definitely could tell that it was Victorian clothing and after we drive by I turned to my friends I'm like did you see that and they're both white as a ghost not saying anything and I just had this instinctual saying that I should you know not say anything and just shut up and you know I felt like the more I talked about it you know things might progress more and we were already scared and I didn't mention that to them anymore and I think if I did, then they probably just changed the subject. That was that. I also stayed in one of the apartment buildings in the town was a old brothel. So a lot of people staying there always reported activity. I was in my friend's apartment and I was on his computer and out of nowhere, I just hear a glass shatter. And there was just literally the glass that was sitting on the counter was there and I just started to get this really weird feeling. So I was the only one in there too. And yeah, I had to leave. And another time I was in the bathroom stall on campus and our campus has a really high suicide rate. I won't say what college it is, but it was pretty high for a college. So I was in the bathroom stall and all of a sudden the handle the sliding handle for the bathroom lock started to jiggle up and down pretty violently for at least five seconds. I was just, you know, on the toilet looking at it. So 
I didn't really know what to make of it. I didn't really feel too threatened or anything. But yeah, there were some UFO sightings too up there. So yeah, lots of activity in uh, northern Vermont. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the show. Thank you, Andrew. Now my initial thought here was that there's a clue. The male ghost that was witnessed was a giant, seven foot tall, Andrew claimed. And even today, that's a rarity that typically draws attention. But then imagine how exotic a man that size may seem all the way back in the Victorian era. Which makes me wonder if there's in some sort of record of this man existing. Was he mentioned in a collection of stories or perhaps brought up in a diary? Point being, I feel like a man that size is hard to hide, even from history. So if you can figure out who he was, you might be on to something. So see what you can find, Andrew. See if you can't validate that sighting. And please let us know what you learn. Now, when I say alien, what do you picture? Something tells me it's the same thing that Denise saw over in New Jersey. Hi, Derek. My name is Denise, and I am from New Jersey, central New Jersey to be exact. This happened around 1963. I was around six years old. My family and I lived in a two-family house. We lived on the top half, and another family lived underneath us. I was awoken in the middle of the night because there was loud noises coming from the roof. I listened for a while and didn't hear anything else. I needed to use the bathroom, so I walked out of my room, and there standing in the living room was a gray creature around four feet tall or so with big slanty eyes, two holes for a nose, and a slit for a mouth. And it wasn't wearing any clothes. I stood there frozen, not knowing what to do. I ran back in my room, shut the door, and pulled the covers over my head. I was terrified, but managed to eventually fall back asleep. I had no idea what I saw until years later and realized it must have been an E.T., Still to this day, the image of the E.T. is as vivid as if I just saw it, and this is 60 years later. I really love the show and just thought you may be able to use my story. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's certainly not something you want to run into in your living room. Thank you, Denise, for sharing the encounter. Now, one might think that she's jumping to conclusions by suggesting it may be an extraterrestrial, an E.T. But she has good reason to do so, because the creature that she described is a dead ringer for what others claim to be an alien being. And if you don't believe me or Denise, hear how the creatures are described in this clip from Monstrum, a series by PBS and Storied. Called Zeta Reticulans, Roswell Greys, or simply Greys, these extraterrestrials are defined by their humanoid forms, exaggerated long limbs, large black eyes, small noses, thin mouths, and of course, gray skin or gray clothing. There are mostly two types of greys, the smaller drone or lackey type and the more powerful and intelligent tall greys. The classic gray alien. Terrifying stuff. Thank you again, Denise, for sharing that nightmare with us. Now this next entry is another call. It seems to detail another nighttime visit. This time, the creature's quite unexplainable. Please welcome Trish to tonight's program. Hi. So I'd just like to go by Trish for this story. I've been hesitant to share, but I 
do you want to know if anyone else has had a similar experience? So I grew up in Arizona. My parents purchased a new build home in the early 90s. My mother and father had a horribly like toxic relationship. There was a lot of physical, mental, and emotional abuse that occurred in the house. Uh, they divorced around 2008 and my father moved out. So shortly after the divorce, I started experiencing some really strange phenomena. In the middle of the night, I began to be visited by this dark figure. It was black as night, it had no face, and it was at least eight feet tall. I mean, this thing was just giant. But I think above all, it was the way that it moved that really scared me the most. It would claw at my doorframe and kind of use my doorframe to hoist itself up onto my ceiling. Once it was up there, it would crawl across my ceiling until it got to me. And it would slowly just lower itself upside down to hover over me. I could hear it breathing, just like this heavy breath, almost like a growl. And I just, I just remember the feeling of just this hot breath on my face. Normally when this would happen, I would just kind of freeze up. I, you know, one of those, when you're a little kid, you just close your eyes and wait for it to go away. It was sort of like that, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever been more terrified. All I could really do was just wait for it to leave. It ended up getting to a point where I stopped sleeping in my bedroom and I would just go sleep on our living room sofa. It was by this time nearly every night, if not every other night, after the entire house had gone to bed and everyone was asleep, I would watch it walk down my hallway, crawl into my bedroom, and I just, I assume it was looking for me. I don't know. So full disclosure, I do suffer from sleep paralysis and always have. I wrote it off as a trick of the mind, maybe my teenage brain trying to process the trauma that I'd experienced. The difference was that when I have sleep paralysis, I know it's happening. You know what I mean? That you can't move, you can't breathe. When this would happen, I would feel as awake as I do now talking to you. I, I didn't feel, I mean, I was paralyzed by fear, but I mean, if I had the will to do so, I, I could probably move my limbs. I didn't have any trouble breathing. It just, it didn't feel the same. But still, I wrote it off. That was until two years ago when my younger sister told me that she had also seen it. And my younger brother, too. I never mentioned it to anyone until one day my sister came to me and told me of pretty similar experiences. The same figure, the same movements. As children, her and my brother shared a bedroom wall with a... There was like an air vent that led from one bedroom to the other. And my sister would say that she could hear my brother crying in the night. And when she asked him what was wrong, he basically told her, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy, but here's what's going on. And everything that he'd experienced were the same things that she had experienced, which were the same things that I had experienced. So by this point, all three of us had seen it. I went to my mom and I asked her if she'd ever experienced anything strange in the house, if anything weird had ever happened, and she said yes. My mom also said that she would see the same figure in the house and then said that my father saw it too. Now, my dad, he was a tough guy. He had been part of, like, the Russian Armed Forces. Like, nothing scared him. I've never seen him cry, just very stoic unemotional so the fact that he would wake up in the night screaming I can't really make sense of it my mom said he told her that he thought it was something 
from hell coming to get him. I don't know. Maybe it was a guilty conscience. Who knows? But like I said, nothing scared this guy except for this. My mom said that some night she would hear it breathing on the baby monitor when my brother was an infant. She'd wake up in the middle of the night and just hear the heavy, breathy growl. And the way that she described it was that she felt it was hunting my baby brother, looking for him. So there were many nights that she would just go sleep on the floor of his nursery until morning, which I vaguely remember. I mean, like I said, my parents had a toxic relationship. So I think just given the overall mood of the household, it wasn't strange for her to just go sleep in another room. You know what I mean? I just figured she was trying to get away from my dad. But all these years later, she tells me this is why. My mother went on to say that we should never speak of it, which was part of my hesitancy to call. I don't really share this. <laughs> she says that the more we speak of it, the more often it appears almost like she just wants to pretend it's not happening. Despite her own experiences and fear, she still says that it was just a manifestation of all the anxiety and the tension in that house. Uh, all three of us kids are now adults. None of us live at home. I haven't lived at home in at least 12 years. My mom's now remarried and she still lives in the same house. As far as I know, she still sees it from time to time. But to this day, she's still reluctant to talk about it. I don't talk to my father, but my siblings and I never saw it again. I mean, once we moved out, none of us ever saw it. So that's my story. I hope you can use it. Again, I'm curious to see if anyone else has had similar experiences. Thank you. Thank you, Trish. You know, I'm wondering if my idea regarding imaginary friends might not work in this situation as well. Draw your creature, Trish. Then ask your siblings to do the same thing. I'd be curious to see how similar the appearances are, because the details in each story are way too similar to be a coincidence. Now, the only mundane solution I can seem to muster is that perhaps the children saw a film or something depicting a creature like this and all developed similar nightmares. Perhaps that's something a couple short illustrations can help clear up. Either way, thanks again, Trish, for calling in. And that brings us to tonight's final entry. Unless you're one of those that sticks around to the end, of course. And this entry takes us to the forests of Oregon, where a creature is said to haunt the mountains there. Connor, welcome to the show. Hey Derek, this is Connor from Portland again. I told you that I owed you some stories, so here we go. Um, I've been listening for way too long not to have shared these. So this is my Bigfoot story. So a couple years ago, I went backpacking with my dad and my brother at the Oregon coast. And we backpacked a trail called Indian Beach, which was five miles from the town of Seaside. You know, so we went, you know, five miles along the coast out into the woods. And uh, we ended up camping at these little huts that were built by the Oregon like Forest Service back in the... 18 or 1900s and there were uh, I want to say about 15 people in total at the campsite by the time uh, we started a fire and the sun went down everybody was kind of you know socializing you know like hey you know what do you do for work you know this is my name and all that and as we're doing that just kind of hanging out by the fire everyone's eating a little bit of dinner and getting to know each other that's what you do when you uh, make it out to a far-off campsite and there's other people there. You talk to them. <laughs> or at least I, I think you do. So we're all hanging out there by the fire and this 
just death. Like I'm trying to find the words to describe this scream. It was like, sounded like an ape, a monkey. Like it was, it started in this super low tone. It was like, and it worked its way up to this very high pitched tone. And then it ended with these two whoops. So it was like, I'm going to attempt to make the noise, but you know, everyone at the campfire had tried Uh, human lungs and vocal cords can't match the pitch and volume of the roar that we heard. And I'm an avid hiker, backpacker, snowboarder. I'm an outdoors guy through and through. I know what a wolf sounds like. I know what a coyote sounds like. I know what a deer sounds like. I know what an elk sounds like. I'm familiar with all of these animals, mountain lions, all of it. And that noise was none of them, none of them. It it was, you know, the sound shook me all the way through to my core and everyone around that campfire just started shaking and throwing out ideas like, oh, it had to be a coyote. No, it had had to be the, you know, that those two campers that we saw, you know, further down toward the beach, you know, it's got to be them, you know, and and people were trying to imitate the noise and and no one could even come close to the, the deep and then the high pitch, like our, our lungs and vocal cords just don't have that range. So it, it was not a human. And I looked over at the ranger that was sitting across the fire from me and I mouthed the word Bigfoot to him and he just simply nodded. You know, didn't say, didn't really acknowledge it beyond that, but he nodded. And, you know, that's a, that's a ranger. He, you know, he spends his life out there in the woods. He knows, if anyone knows, it's him. Thank you for your wonderful show. I really appreciate it. I've listened to every episode going all the way back. I've just been eating up all the stories from everyone else without sharing mine. And that's not fair. So I finally had to give you a call. Yeah, if you if you ever end up hiking uh, Indian Beach out by Seaside, Oregon, keep your ears peeled and keep your eyes peeled because you might see something that a lot of people think ain't real. Anyways, have a great day. Thank you for everything. I love you, and I love the you know all the all the monsters among us fans, man. It's a wonderful community. We love you too, buddy. Thanks, Connor. Now imagine yourself in the depths of the Oregon woods, tree and rock-covered slopes as far as the eye can see wild land, miles from civilization, miles from the nearest route. And you're sitting by the campfire, you'd be enjoying a beverage or a snack. And you hear the following sound echoing from the forest. was a recording made on July 3rd of 2022 by Susan Fairnack over in Mohican Valley, Ohio. And she claims that it's a Sasquatch. Also in the state of Ohio, recorded in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park in 2015 by Charlie Page. And this clip, recorded by Matt Moneymaker in Columbiana County, Ohio, back in 1994. Infamously known as the Ohio Howl. Or from Central Florida, from January of 2006, recorded by Dan McGee. Or this one, recorded in Forest County, Mississippi on 12-1904 by John Callender. And the infamous Sierra Sounds, recorded in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California by Ron Moorhead, 
back in June of 1971. finally back where Connor's experience took place, the state of Oregon. The following was recorded outside of a rural rest stop in the Beaver State, courtesy of Cryptalker on TikTok. Absolutely. Starting to regret that I stopped at this restaurant. And I can't help but notice how similar each of those recordings are to what Connor described in his story. Loud, sustained howls in the night. Unhuman-like noises emanating from the forest. So next time you're out there, keep your ears open. And maybe your recorder as well. Thank you again, Connor, for taking the time to call your story in. And a big thanks to you for tuning in this evening. Because that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Please give us a like and follow over at Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, essentially anywhere you can find us. And while you're at it, please leave us a rate and review, wherever that's possible. And don't forget, you can catch us on the UnX Network, Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern. Just visit unxnetwork.com to tune in. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Co.ag Music, Armchair Ambiance, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for keeping it spooky. Do me a favor and have a good night. As many of you know, the secret entry is designated for the weirdest and strangest of calls. And tonight certainly delivers. Coming to us from the state of Utah, please welcome Tina to the show. Hi, Derek. My name is Tina, and I am from St. George, Utah. This happened in the summer of 2022. I went to Walmart, our local Walmart, where, of course, weird people are all the time. But as I was walking through and I was kind of focused, very focused on getting what I needed to get and get out of there. And as I was walking, I saw this man and he was speaking to another man and he was very short, maybe chest high on me. And in my head, I thought the word troll. And then I started to kind of admonish myself, like, why would you say that's so unkind? And I, it's just not like me to, to be so unkind. And when I heard the word troll in my head, he literally, I didn't say it out loud, but he literally turned around to look at me and I dropped my eyes and I just kind of walked past and I went to uh, across the store and to another aisle and just thought, what is wrong with you? And, and I went to another aisle, light bulb aisle, got light bulbs, and I came out of the light bulb aisle to go to another part of the store. 
And I had a cart, and as I was pushing the cart, I realized that I almost hit somebody coming out of that aisle. And it was that same man. And when I almost hit him, I kind of like stopped and like, like to apologize, like, oh my gosh, you know, I almost hit you. And I watched his eyes and they blinked sideways, not up and down, but sideways. And the pupil wasn't round. It was almost like a snake. And this startled me and I went like that. And he smiled and he had these jagged teeth like to a point and that scared me horribly and I just took off running through Walmart and I could hear him he was running behind me and he was making this really strange high-pitched like running behind me and people were staring at me because I'm running like a wild person through Walmart but they weren't staring at him running behind me making this weird noise they were staring at me like I was crazy and I get to the main aisle and I just instantly go to the checkout and I'm texting my best friend and saying can I call you something really weird just happened at Walmart you're not going to believe this and I get through the checkout and I call her and I say can you just stay on the phone with me you're not going to believe me but I just saw a troll I swear it was a troll at Walmart And she said, did he have on jean shorts, boots, and a green t-shirt? And I was so taken aback because that was exactly what he had on. And I said, how did you know that? And she said, I was just there at Walmart 30 minutes ago and he was waiting by my car. He read a sticker off of his car and she literally did the voice. And she goes, yeah, he was reading my sticker and he goes, free will healing to her. And she said, I just got the creeps, got in my car, and took off. That made me even more creeped out, but that's my story. Hope you have a great day and wonderful show. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, Tina. You know, I scoured the internet, looking for a police blotter, Reddit post, a wanted poster, Some sort of information that would hint to who or what this man was. But unfortunately, I came up dry. So, like I so often do, I now hand it off to you, dear listener. Do any of you out there have any idea what Tina may be talking about? Have you experienced this strange individual? Have you heard about it somewhere? If you have any info, please send it in to us. I'll be sure to let Tina know. Thank you again, Tina, for sharing the call. Now quick, get in the car. We're getting out of here. We're headed into the beyond, and you can join us by going to patreon.com and searching for Monsters Among Us podcast. There, just join the $5 level, and boom, instant access to this bonus content. And bonus content going back years and years. Well over 100 hours. And don't forget, for $1, you can also get ad-free versions of the main show. All that, again, by visiting patreon.com. And don't forget that Patreon offers a 7-day free trial. So go flood your ears with as much as you can in that short amount of time. Now this week on The Beyond, we're going to do something a little different. We're bringing back a segment I like to call the Sleep Paralysis Files. Now essentially it goes like this. There's a few subjects on the show I try to stay away from. And Sleep Paralysis is one of them. Because despite how creepy they are, we do know the origin of the activity. But like I said, they certainly are creepy. And it'd be a shame not to share some of these terrifying experiences. And the calls will come uninterrupted. So please enjoy the second installment of the Sleep Paralysis Files. And I'll catch you all back here next week for a brand new episode. Hey everyone, this is Patty from Toledo. And this time I'm calling 
with, I guess it's an experience of sleep paralysis. I've been experiencing this for as long as I can remember. The weird thing is, though, is that I haven't had any of these experiences since I had my son two years ago. And unfortunately, I think I may have passed them on to him. But anyways, ever since I was a little kid, I would have, I guess, really bad dreams, night terrors, to the point to where I would become aware in the dream.